Welcome to the Shepherding the Sheep podcast. Today, uh, Gino Guillermo and Jason Vaughn will be discussing Hills to Die On, Part 2, Hills to Die On in the Church. day. Welcome to the Shepherding the Sheep podcast. My name is Jason Vaughn with Mr. Gino Guillermo. Hello, everyone. Hello. Good to be back. Good to be back on this podcast. And uh, again, this is a podcast for churchmen uh, where we seek to uh, really discuss issues about the church and about our responsibilities to the church and try to talk about things uh, in a conversation style where we discuss what it means to be involved in our local church. And so this is primarily for Cornerstone Community Church in Las Vegas. And we pray that these discussions give you something to think about, reflect on, hear our thoughts. It is not a packaged podcast. It is a running commentary and a running discussion, sometimes shooting from the hip as we think about things that we've thought about before or articulating in the ministry. And so... Here we are. Last time, we began to discuss hills that we die on. And we referenced that hills to die on, these are the topics or the issues that we are going to go to war over. These are the things that we're going to stand up and discuss. These are the things that we're going to intercede sometimes in an unwelcomed discussion for the gospel, for Jesus Christ. And so these are the kind of things to where, you know, sometimes we're not going to get in your kitchen and it's because that's not a hill that we are going to die on. And sometimes you're going to get a phone call from us or you're going to get an interruption of, hey, brother, hey, sister, have you thought about this? Because this is a hill that we are going to die on. And so last time we talked about different hills, what it means, why it's beneficial to have hills to die on. So if you missed the first part, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first part. Uh, where we do talk about why it's good to have hills to die on, how it can be help you with long suffering and patience, uh, some different things that it's done for me specifically: hills to die on with your spouse, hills to die on with your kids, hills to die on at work, hills to die on on social media, and we left this one topic: hills to die on in Cornerstone Church, in our church relationship, and so today. We are going to talk about what hills do we die on as elders? What hills do we die on maybe individually in the one and other aspects of relationships in the church? And so mm. uh, by way of getting us started, I have five hills that I die on in Cornerstone. Wow. Yeah, that's actually, um, now some of them are overlapping or a little overlapping. Okay. Yes. And one of them is assumed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it comes to hills that we die on, um, because one of the hills I die on, and I think all of us, I think I could, I, I'm going to speak for the elders here without asking them beforehand. Mm-hmm. I think one of them, all the elders 
die on that hill. But on the other hand, sometimes we remain silent on that hill too. Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what you're thinking about. Yeah. So the different hills that we die on, the one that I'm referencing is the authority of Scripture. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So when Scripture speaks, we listen and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so when it comes to our orthopraxy, the way we do things, why we do things, what is the number one influencer and in why we do things, because this is Christ's church and he's the head of the church and he has spoken to us through his revealed word, we recognize that scripture has authority. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if so, the way that that would look is if somebody came to me and said, hey, listen, this scientific journal says this. And whatever follows after that goes directly against scripture. My response is going to be, that's great. However, we can't do that because scripture has spoken on this issue. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's where my hill would be. Okay. However, uh, recognizing the authority of scripture, like we talked about last time may mean that I don't address the issue you addressed because it may be kind of crossing with another hill that I'm not willing to die on in that situation. Gotcha. Yeah. So example, <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that, <laughs> uh, you know, every now and then you come into a, a young believer who, uh, maybe is really rough around the edges and let's just say, for instance, they maybe use some language that is a little foul or unloving. Uh, I may choose not to address that hill right away. And it doesn't mean I'm denying the authority of scripture. To me, it just means, you know, like we talked about last time, there's a hard issue here that if we can, if we can bypass that branch, bypass a couple of the other branches that I see in this person's life that are not biblical and maybe find the trunk issue and just cut out and just chip away at the trunk then all the branches will come down and these things will figure themselves out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes that person doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. So he just hasn't been taught that it's unloving yet. Yes. Or it hasn't connected it with loving others yet. So, yes. Um, which makes sense. So that's, yeah, it's not necessarily something that you're going to stop and correct at that moment. Right. And it doesn't mean we're denying scripture's authority. Oh, no. No, we're recognizing it. So for me, when I say die on the hill of scripture's authority, when you come to come to us for orthopraxy issue. And and what we mean by that is, is how our orthodoxy and our understanding of Christ and the God's word and the Trinity manifest itself. We are going to side with scripture where it clearly speaks. Yeah. I thought you were going to go in the realm into the realm of um, when there's a big societal issue and everyone expects leaders from every, uh, you know, um, uh, if you're a leader in some form or shape, they expect you to say something on social media or from the pulpit. Oh, yeah. So that's, I thought you were going to go there. And obviously, you know, the scripture is our authority. Right. Um, but sometimes we do remain silent or it's why. So at least in the beginning, you know, remain silent until I, I, for me, I'm, I'm wrestling with scripture at that point, at that right. point in that moment, because I want to be as, accurate and biblical as possible yes so i'm not gonna just say something that's 
I'm most likely 90% at that point, my opinion <laughs> right. versus what actually scripture says. So maybe staying silent is, uh, is acknowledging, acknowledging the authority of scripture. Cause you don't want to just speak out of, you know, no, that's a really good point because yeah. What if you, uh, I definitely know sometimes with those hashtag issues, I'll do more reading than I allude with other people. And, uh, I'll uncover, wow, this isn't one issue. This is six issues. Mm-hmm. And if you just spoke too quick, you wrongfully address the issue. Right. And I mean, you or it's just you're not the facts are not out yet. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of times where that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. And even when you think they're out, you find out later, a few weeks later, it's like, oh, wow, there's just I didn't see that. Yes. <laughs> you know, I wish yeah. I didn't say anything yet because I just didn't know that that was a part of the situation. So, right. Yeah, and even in some of those social issues are hurtful to people. Not speaking doesn't mean we don't listen and weep with those who weep. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. think we're always weeping. I mean, if someone's in pain, um, the, the the loving thing to do is to be in pain with them and you yes. know, not necessarily um, buy into the philosophy. Yeah. But gosh, you know, if they're hurting. We're hurting because you know they're part of the church. At That's least right. they're if they're part of Cornerstone. They're hurting. Hey, we're going to be hurting with you, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and listen, yeah. All right, that's a whole other issue. Yeah, so one hill we're going to die on is Scripture's authority. And I think that's fair because if Christ Christ is the head of the church, and he is because the Bible says so, and he's revealed his word to us, you know, be about what Scripture's about. And so where God has spoken, he did not give us revealed word on every jot and tittle of this world. Uh, It's why... You know, it, the Bible's not a science book. It's it's that to reveal him and salvation and sanctification to us. And so if I need to understand the spokes of a bicycle, then go pick up a bicycle manual. But the second that bicycle manual crosses what Scripture says, now I'm going to side with Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that is a hill that we are going to die on. Uh, so another hill that I would say that I die on in Cornerstone is the gospel. I agree. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be, die. yeah, I mean, you have to die on the gospel. Yes, uh, Jesus died for the gospel. <laughs> absolutely. And the one thing I do know, when you read through the the New Testament and the letters, and even the patristics, they were, they, I don't want to say they were happy to. They were, they were willing to respond to false gospels and address the false gospels by reemphasizing the gospel. Hmm. So you know, uh, Irenaeus confronting the um the gnostics on the he spends a little bit of time talking about what they believe but he mainly spends a lot of time arguing what the gospel is from scripture and so we are a disciple making church we are a worshiping church of our lord and savior jesus christ and so the gospel is the is what brought us into the church it is what binds us and it is the example for how we're to live and serve one another so, you know, you come into the church and somebody wants to start spreading the lie from Satan himself that Jesus Christ was not God, was not man in the flesh. Well, not now, now you're, we're going to go to war and we're, we're going to do battle over that because that's worth fighting for. Uh, you take the gospel out of the church and we just have a social club. Uh, and it may be a fun social club, but we, but it's not a church at that point. And so the gospel's a big deal. And so we're going to fight for the gospel. And that hill is a significant hill. And by the way, I would argue 
that every hill, we didn't really talk about loving your neighbors. I would actually even argue that um, we're going to talk about personally that that needs to be the top hill that every believer dies on no matter what. Because Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will see the kingdom of heaven. You're talking about um, loving your neighbor? Um, no, I'm talking about Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Sorry, I, I mingled uh, another blessed in there. Um, so blessed... Uh, are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And I think Jesus in, in the sermon on the Mount's discussion there is listen, believer, you are about the gospel first and foremost. So if you're hanging out with family at a family reunion, right? How does that look like? And all my family wants to talk about because they're sprinkled Republicans and Democrats in the family and they want to talk about political issues. That's fine. I'm going to be quiet. I have nothing to add to that conversation because I'm more interested in when I speak and speaking for the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mm. because ultimately it doesn't matter what side they're on. If they don't believe in Jesus Christ, God doesn't say, well, you were in the right political group. Come on in. Mm -hmm. He says, do you know who my son is? Who do you say Jesus Christ is? And so that hill, I would argue, needs to be the hill. That should be the most common hill among every believer, that we are peacemakers in this world. Mm. Now, by the way, you're saying you know you don't engage, but you're not saying that everybody doesn't have to engage, right? You're just saying, personally, in your situation, you wouldn't engage, or would you actually encourage that? Uh, so... Like, is there a way to do it uh, that uh... there might be a way to do it? I, but I really think that what ends up happening is we, I don't know that very many people do it well. Okay. And I think for me, I would rather be about the gospel and be about Jesus Christ and leave my political thoughts silent Mm. so that when I do speak that bullet, it's a silver bullet Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, well, what do you think? Well, at the end of the day, I think it doesn't matter because Jesus Christ is coming back. And the real question is, who do you say he is? Gotcha. So I was going to ask you, how do you get to the gospel if they're trying to engage you on your on these topics and wanting to know, you know, pastoral counsel on, um, you know, different issues? Yeah, I, I really think the better thing is when you're, when especially, it's harder around family, but, but around people, right? Be less about politics, more yeah. about the gospel. Uh, and that, that doesn't mean you always have to like, every time you see somebody talk about the gospel with them, but on the flip side, am I, am I okay listening to this person bash my favorite political leader or my political party? Yeah, I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, I don't want to be known as, Oh, he's the guy that fights with the family over, over his political party. Right. I kind of can sit there and go, I mean, if you're an unbeliever, politics uh this is your kingdom and so this matters more but since this isn't my kingdom and this isn't my citizenship i have i have an invitation to the table with jesus christ in a glorified body 
And there's an invitation for you as well. Mm. If you'll believe and repent. And I think that's a more important party to invite people to than the Republican or Democratic party. And so I do think one of the hills we need to die on is the gospel. Uh, salvation is by is through Christ alone, by faith alone. We are justified by Christ. We are united to him through his death, burial, and resurrection. The cross is a big deal. The resurrection is the source of my hope. These, This is the hill of hills that we're going to die on. Hmm. Right, And so if a false teacher comes into the church, German shepherd, the teeth are coming out because we are not going to uh, stand by and let somebody come into the church and begin to spread a false gospel. We are, we're going we're gonna to go to war because that matters. Your salvation and your sanctification are at stake at this point. And so the hills that we die on, right, one of them is the gospel. Who do you say Christ is and the significance of the cross and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, so if we're not dying on that hill, then we're then I would argue um, that that our that our relationship with God that we don't understand the priorities as well as we should. Uh, that's a big deal, right? I'm going to die on that hill. I'm going to teach my kids the gospel. I'm going to do whatever I can to cultivate and communicate and wash my wife with the word for the gospel. And I'm going to be a man that stands for the gospel, right? I'm not going to fight my barista over their political views or their cultural views. I'm here to win you to Christ. That's such a great, um, I love that you said that. I think the challenge for people is, you know, just having the wisdom to draw people into that kind of conversation. Right. Um, and you know, I think everyone has different strengths, um, and there's ways you can do that. I, I think that's a challenge. It's like, how do you think, just how do you get to the gospel? And I, I get, again, that's a different conversation, but it's, uh, the point is that that's the hill that you're going to go to war over with, with yes. family. So like, let's just say that there was a hostile family member that, you know, actually wants to talk gospel, but is rejecting your Lord you know, and being uh, uh, hostile towards you. Um, that's a, I, from what, I, what I've heard you say, say in the past, you know, you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't die on that hill at that point, right? Yeah, so once they become hostile, uh, I still have a gospel approach with them. I just quit talking. I'm probably going to quit talking about the gospel with them. Gotcha. Because their hatred and vile towards Christ has... Um, become to the point to where we're not going to have a meaningful discussion. But because I'm a pe- because peacemaker is a part of the work, I now am going to spend more of my time trying to show this person I love you no matter what you say or do. Hmm. And so uh, I'm going to just take more of the, instead of running a sprint, I'm going to look at the marathon here. And the marathon run with that person is I'm going to run with you. I'm going to love you. Uh, I'm going to put my arm around you when you need it. Uh, I'm going to find your value because you're a human being. So you're valuable because you're made in the image of God. But I'm also going to find, you know, anything that we can't agree on, I'm going to amen. And mm-hmm. things we disagree on, I'm going to just keep my mouth shut. Right. And I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to love you. And basically it goes into long suffering mode, I think, right? Where I'm going to be long suffering and really patient with you f- through your vileness towards the Lord 
And I'm just going to pray because the, the end of the day, when things turn south, guess who they're going to call? They're mm-hmm. probably going to call you. That's actually really important because uh, we have not just far family members that are hostile towards the gospel. I, you know, some people in the church are married to that person or, you know, is that, that that's their son, their daughter, that's their parent um, who's hostile towards the gospel. And they need to know that if they're not going to, uh, you know, if they're not going to, if they're going to die on this hill, how does it look like? So I'm glad that you said that and just uh, being patient with them, right? Uh, loving them with the love of the Lord. Um, you know, they they have dignity because of the gospel. Yes. Yeah. And with family members, I think in general, uh, family members are always harder to win. And so I think, I think the general approach is be just patient and long suffering. And I often remind myself with with unbelieving family members, why would I expect them to honor God? Why would I expect them to view Scripture as authoritative? The Bible tells me they're going to suppress the truth. So to expect different is to then go to war over false expectations. And that goes back to our expectations podcast. So all I can do at this point is go, I expect them to act like unbelievers and praise God they're not worse than what they are. And you know what? Let me just love them. Who does it? Who there? That's the, that's the amazing part about unbelievers. There, there's not very many people in this world that go, I really hate that the person just loves me. <laughs> yeah. I really just hate that he, that no matter what I do, he has a smile on his face and he's happy to see me. There's not very many people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Gosh, I hate that guy. He's so patient. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he always listens so well. It drives me up the wall. I can't stand him. I don't want him to listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Now, some people are pugnacious and they just want to fight. But but at some point, you just, hey, you want to go play a board game and do something different? Let's play Risk. I'll beat you. <laughs> be fun. Yeah. I know. We, we all have family members like that. That uh, I know I do. Uh, they're just hostile towards the gospel and... They want to engage, and they they kind of want to pick a fight, right? Um, you know, they're trying to roll roll you up, and or they're trying to get you to believe their side, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It is, you know. And by the way, I, I do want to give a shout out because this podcast is not brought to you by coffee. It is brought to me by Perrier, uh, one of my favorite sparkling waters, and Gina's some Aquafina water there. Yeah, this is, this is the good stuff, man. Thank is it? Yeah, that's yeah, it's okay. I'm okay with. It. I actually like. I actually like the Kirkland brand better. Oh, you do? I do. I'm weird. Ah, okay. It uh, says pure water, perfect taste. So perfect taste. Hmm. I need Zach to make me some coffee. He's not in here, Zach. We're good. Man. All right. Well, okay. So I'm going to die on the hill of scriptures authoritative. I'm going to die on the gospel hill, uh, both both in the church and personally. Uh, and I'm going to tell you that uh, I am always encouraging. If you want to know things that I'm going to encourage you to do, I'm going to encourage you to die on the gospel hill. So don't be shocked if you come to me and talk to me about a problem. And I say, well, how, what has this got to do with the gospel? And your number one goal is to be a peacemaker. You're picking a battle. You're picking the wrong battles. Now you know what motivates me in my counsel. I am trying to get you on the boat to where the gospel and being a peacemaker is the biggest deal. Mm. 
So just to put my cards on the table so you know where I'm coming from. So when you say peacemaker, is that in the realm of reconciliation? Yes. Or is that yes. different? Yeah, no, no, no. That I mean, we, we have the message of reconciliation and can point you to the person that reconciles people. Okay, so this is another hill, right? Well, so and that, that does bring up <laughs> another one of my hills. And another hill that I die on is reconciliation. That's a huge one. Yeah, that's a huge one. And listen, this is a tough one because... Uh, reconciliation is at the heart of the gospel. God reconciles you to him. And so, but we live in a fallen world and the reality is none of us are in our perfected bodies. And because we're not in our perfected bodies, we still sin and we still sin against other people. And when we do, we need to go to that human being and we need to tell them, listen, I sinned against you by doing this and be specific with how you sin. Not, hey, I was tired and I was already having a bad day. Don't excuse away your sin. I sinned against you. I was mean, abrupt, and I said hurtful things to you. And then you need to respond after that. It needs to be, will you please forgive me for doing that? And so one of those hills that I die on is reconciliation hill. Um, when spouses seek counsel, one of the first things I say to him, you need to reconcile with each other. Uh, Matthew 5, Jesus says, run, go. Do not go to the altar and present your altering. Go and reconcile with your brother who has something against you. Matthew 18, the king, right? Or the, or the judge who, who grants forgiveness to the guy that's got a cabillion dollar debt that no human being could ever get out of in this world, right? And then the guy turns and he goes to somebody that owes him 30 cents and he says, you haven't paid me back my 30 cents. You're going to jail. And then the king finds out and he says, listen, I, rec I forgave you that huge debt and you couldn't turn around and forgive this small debt to somebody else? And then Jesus says, listen, if you're not willing to forgive others, then you're not forgiven in heaven. If you're not pursuing reconciliation with others, then you're not forgiven in heaven. And the point that he's making is simple. Believers pursue reconciliation with other believers. And the only thing that gets in the way of that is our pride. And pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. It is not your, we, there is no excuse for not pursuing reconciliation. And so believer, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So even if you go to somebody and confess your sin and ask forgiveness and they say no, right? At least you have gone and done what you needed to do. And when they said no, you turn around and you smile and you look at them and say, I love you. I am always here and will always want to be reconciled with you whenever you're ready. Because believers are always ready to reconcile with other people, believer or unbeliever. Mm. And so that's a hill that we die on. If I, right, if we, if I find out that you're in the church and, and you have, and you have something against a brother and that brother is trying to reconcile with you and you're refusing to call that person back or to reconcile with them, I am going to call you and I'm going to say, I am aware of this and I don't need to know the details of the situation, but I do know that you're not reconciled and you need to go and reconcile. And that can be very hard to take because a lot of us, 
are comfortable with other people in the church until they get into our kitchen in an area we don't want them to get into our kitchen on. And that's why this is a hill I'm going to die on, right? If this is not a hill I'm going to die on, then I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to keep trying to feed you and teach you in such a way to where Lord willing, the spirit will move you to do that on your own. But because this also broaches into the unity of the church and the unity of one another, and now even broaches into the Lord's Supper, right? And and the lack of being able to participate in the Lord's Supper. I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to help you. And I'm going to tell you, listen, it's okay. Like, it, it's, it's not okay that you sin. However, it's not a deal breaker. Like, you're a human being. This is normal. You don't need to be embarrassed. You don't, you don't, you know, you're not losing face. This is what believers do. We confess our sin and we ask forgiveness. If you've sinned against your spouse, you go and ask forgiveness. You sin against your kids, ask forgiveness. Coworker, ask forgiveness. Boss, ask forgiveness. Your barista, ask forgiveness. Because that's what believers do. That's the heart of the gospel. And God has forgiven us way more than anybody else has ever done to us. You know, if somebody flips me off in the car, every time I drive back to Oklahoma, I always get flipped off because I drive like a West Coast person and Oklahomans don't drive like Oklahomans. And I always have to like have that moment where, oh yeah, I got to drive like an Oklahoman. So I slow way down and I go a lot slower than I, than I like to. And that's okay because that's loving to them. And it's, it's that moment where I forgot. And you know what the thing is, if I could talk to that person privately, I'd say, Hey, you know, please forgive me. I'm not used to driving like that. We drive a little different on the West coast. I wasn't trying to be up in your grill. And I'm sure that person go, Oh, you know what? I was mad. Please forgive me. You know? And so we pursue reconciliation with other people because I have sinned way more against God and he has forgiven me than anybody's ever going to sin against me. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, Like, uh, as you have said, it, it, um, it overlaps into uh, communion. Yes. And it overlaps. What was the other area into unity in the church? Unity. That's such a big theme in the new Testament. Yes. Um, Paul goes out of his way in so many of his epistles Yes. To fight for unity. Yes. And so, I mean, the loving thing to do again is to be reconciled. And um, and sometimes it's just, gosh, it's just a simple miscommunication. or um, Right. Sometimes the other person is not even offended. And you, sometimes you've overthought something. or right. I mean, there's so many. But, like, just be reconciled. It's, yeah, go to him. Hey, look, I'm, you know. Uh, and I'm even a huge fan of if you didn't sin but maybe the person thinks you did go and talk to him, right? Better to be at peace with that human being than to have some kind of like doubt in your head. Um, you know, and, and when somebody comes to you and either a is confronting you with a sin or B is coming to you to pursue reconciliation, even whether they do it right or wrong, in their approach, at least listen to them, to the person and, and hear the person out and be willing to admit where you're wrong. Uh, sometimes I've been right and yet realized that I responded wrong. And I know even with Kyla, sometimes I've been right in what I've said, but I, the way I said it, or, or maybe I was impatient and realized, you know, uh, I could have been more patient in that process. And so then I say to my wife, will you please forgive me for being impatient with you? And she says, of course. And we move on. 
you know, even though maybe what I said was a hundred percent right. So I just think we need to be willing to, to humble ourselves, recognize we make mistakes, recognize those mistakes are directed at other people and go reconcile and recognize other people are going to make mistakes against you. You want their conscience to be clean before the Lord Mm. out of love. You want believers to have a clear conscience. Yeah, so like there's that, oh, there's always that person that won't, um, that has a hard time or like just can't, uh, like they won't give forgiveness, right? Right. Um, and and so the other person's just, I mean, the other, you, you said this before, basically if you're that person that has attempted to reconcile and the other person doesn't want to reconcile or doesn't want to, to give forgiveness, you've done, at least you've done your part. Yes. Yeah, okay, that's an, I think that's important because, um, uh, I think there are people like that out there and, you know, yes. And be clear. Uh, I also, every now and then you kind of hear the reconciliation is done through like this vague, like, well, they probably, they read between the lines. They knew what I was trying to get at. No, be very clear. I sinned against you by doing this. Will you please forgive me for doing that? And your answer is absolutely. And your answer is not caveated with if you promise to never do it again because they're human beings, they're going to do it again. Mm, so. so you're saying that when we ask for forgiveness for a sin, um, the other person shouldn't respond by saying, well, if you really yes. you know, are sorry, then you should never, oh, ever yeah. do it again. Yeah, that's, the, that's, that's like, I'm willing to, I, I think when people say that, I'm going to get, I'm going to use some hyperbole here, but I think what they're, when people respond that way, I think we could interpret that as, uh, Lord, I'm going to sit down in this throne right now and handle reconciliation because God doesn't say that to us. God, Christ doesn't forgive us contingent upon us never sinning again. Otherwise we would never be forgiven. So to sit down and go, if you promise to, I, I mean, the reality is if they're a believer, they don't want to sin against you. So to ask them to make that promise, to me, you're now putting something on forgiveness that Christ hasn't put in the gospel. And yet, you know, you can acknowledge, you know, I assume when somebody asks me forgiveness that they don't want to sin against me. And I also assume that they're trying to be holy and walk in holiness and not do that. And, but I also recognize, you know what, this person, this is this person's weakness. They may do this again. This is extremely common in, uh, in addicts at some level too. And that's a whole other subject that we, maybe we can talk about another time, but there are some nuances with that. But, but in the end, there are no nuances to grant forgiveness because Christ has, has granted forgiveness. We kind of do that with our kids. Um, you know, yes. Hey, you did that wrong. Don't do that again. Right. As if, you know, a, a three-year-old is going to figure that out at three. Right. It's, it's you know, you want to teach them, hey, don't do that. That's unloving. That's not right. Right. You know, um, I forgive you. I forgive you and I'll forgive you again. But, you know, know that this is the wrong thing to do. Right. Versus, hey, that's wrong. Don't. You don't ever do that again. Okay, promise? Yes. Right? That's not the way that. No, no. And, and, and teaching the, them something yeah. that's unbiblical, really. 
Well, and that's the thing too. If the per, I mean, one, if the person's coming to you asking for forgiveness or you're going to them, it is already a recognition of God's sovereignty and it is a recognition of the gospel and the grace that the Lord grants. So there's already something to build on there where you can maybe grant forgiveness and you can maybe even ask them, hey, is this a weakness of yours? And if they say yes, then then it even opens up more doors for, well, is there anything I can do to serve you, to help you walk through this trial, right? And And you never know what discipleship opportunities are going to come by doing that. And the other thing is you talk about going to an unbeliever, and asking forgiveness. That's that's the door for the gospel. Well, why would you come and ask me for forgiveness? Because this is what Jesus Christ did. Mm. And so, you know, the, one of the hardest things is to go to other people with different worldviews and ask them for forgiveness because their worldview is not centered around the gospel. Um, it's centered around themselves and their unbelief. And you know what? They may never talk to you ever again, but that's between them and the Lord. That Romans 12 passage, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So, you know, uh, yep, if there's anybody out there that I've never reconciled with, just know that if you called and said, are you open for it? Yes, I am. Absolutely. You know, now the good news is as far as it's dependent on me, I've pursued peace. But you can't make people want to answer that and say, you can't make people want to pursue peace. Mm-hmm. But you can, you do the work yourself. Don't sit there and go, well, you know what? If they ever call me, no, reach out to them. Hey, I've tried to pursue peace. I would like to be at peace with you. I'd like to reconcile. Make sure they clearly know that is your goal and your intent. That's a hill to die on. So in the church, the gospel, scripture's authority, and reconciling with one another. Another one for us is a hill that we are going to die on is pride and humility. Um, how do I want to manifest that though? Uh, th- this kind of goes, this, this may be even more in the personal realm. This goes back to the discussion we keep having where you notice that somebody has 25 things glaringly wrong and maybe you don't address all 25 things, you know, and are you standing for truth? Yes, you're standing for truth because the one thing we're trying to do is remind one another in the church that we have pride problems Right. It's not, do I have pride? It's where is my pride? And then not only are we trying to then like, Hey, where is my pride at? But we're trying to address people and say, Hey, be aware of your pride and learn humility. So that is a hill that we sit on a lot and we are constantly fighting the pride and humility battle. And you're actually fighting pride by trying to teach people humility because you're trying to teach people how to serve, how to put other people's interest is more important than yourself. And you're trying to teach people to rely on the Lord in serving one another. And that's humility. So what does that look like in a situation, like within the church context, pride and humility, when you're talking about a hill to die on, right? Like um, walk us through like a situation where you see that often. Right. So I know from the pulpit, it comes up for me in that I will often address uh, the natural tendency for each of us to be selfish, you know, rather than maybe trying to address whatever hashtag issues going on in culture, or maybe rather than trying to address, 
you know, laziness in some people or, you know, uh, a lack of wanting to love other people or a lack of wanting to serve other people or wanting to maybe even address, you know, um, gossip by, by attacking the pride tree, by attacking that at the trunk, you are confronting all of those issues without addressing all of those issues. Gotcha. And so then, but you're also trying to say, listen, here the, the gospel, God, his word is trying to point us to love and serve one another. And so our desire is to come alongside each other and to love each other, to encourage each other, to walk with each other. And so I think that's, the, that's, how, we, that's how that manifests. And so when you show up, sometimes, you know, you're just happy to see people and to talk to people and you engage them. And that's where you're dying on that hill, if that makes sense. I don't know if I fully answered your question. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to paint a specific um, uh, such So like in the one another's, um, would you say that humility then is uh, pursuing service? Yes. Okay. All right. So just to clarify then. Um, so part of being a churchman, uh, one of the hills that we're dying on, so what we're trying to promote at, at Cornerstone is that, hey, part of, Pride and humility is this. We're dying to self. Yes. And we're actually pursuing others intentionally. Yes. That's a huge thing because that's the mode of our our, our life. That's our lifeblood, right? That's kind of yes. what makes us, or that's, a, uh, that's what we aim for. That's what makes us tick. Like, how can we serve others and how can we deny ourselves more? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that comes out in even like announcement time where it's like, hey, if you're not going to a Bible study, go to a Bible study. Hmm well, but we got kids or, you know, I got to work early the next morning. It's like, we all have that. Mm-hmm. You're not got, like, well, you know, you're, you're actually not, you're actually going to gain way more than you lost by doing it. And so that's where we're trying to encourage humility. Right. It's where we're trying to encourage fellowship. The dog came in there. <laughs> like, whoa. Right on spot. Good job, Sabine. Yeah, so, okay, so I think those are probably, that's probably fair, the four hills that we die on. Gospel, Scripture's authority, pride and humility, and reconciliation. And sometimes even in addressing pride and humility, we may not say something. Uh, We may not nitpick, especially a young believer's pride, right? I mean, you may meet a young believer and there's, you just notice they're just oozing in pride. And you may not address every little issue, but by addressing the problem of pride and the goal of humility, you are really sawing away at that tree. And so, right. As the fruit manifest, the pride fruit manifests itself in 65 different ways that are noticeable, you know, standing for truth is not necessarily nitpicking every one of those standing for truth. Actually, the way, if you look at the imagery of the scriptures, standing for truth means I'm not yielding to their error. So being around a very prideful Christian and not necessarily nitpicking every little thing I see in that person on the spot, that doesn't mean I'm not standing for truth. The fact that they're not, that I'm not yielding to their error already means I'm standing for truth. But then lovingly shepherding them to address them in the problems of pride and the goal of humility, God's spirit is going to take that truth. And and if he's a believer, God is going to mold them into be more like Jesus Christ. And at some point you're going to, you're going to look up and go, man, six months ago, this guy had 65 problems. And now over half of them are gone because he just started to figure things out. 
because the spirit taught him and figured those things out. Yeah, it's a, it's a long process. Um, yes, because you know it's as we study pride uh, continuously throughout our lives, we're, we're really continually looking at that mirror and uh, asking ourselves, where is that? Where is that pride? Yes. Where does it lie? Where is it, where is it hiding? What dark place are we keeping it in? It's it's self serving. It's uh, we, we don't want to let go of that idol, right? Uh, and we're blind to it oftentimes. Um, and I know that it takes sometimes it just takes a long time to see it. Right. Um, but the, the the spirit does work, and um, he's slowly like peeling away that onion and just getting to the core. And little by little, you're looking more like Christ. You look back at your life five years ago, and you realize, wow, gosh, uh, the Lord did a work that over time made me more like him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talk about somebody who's discontent. How do you tell them be content? But yet when you teach them Christ and they come to see the treasure they have, you look up and you find out, wow, they're more content Hmm. because they've come to understand the treasure they have in Christ. So uh, hopefully that helps. That's definitely the hills that we die on in Cornerstone, the gospel, the authority of scripture, Pride and humility and reconciliation. And we talked about those not necessarily in that order. But uh, hopefully that helps. Hopefully that would help you. Uh, I would encourage you. Uh, again, I think those are actually uh, even the hills I die on privately. Uh, with the authority of Scripture meaning that I'm not necessarily going to address every person's error in every jot and tittle of the text. Didn't you have five points? <laughs> I did, but one of them kind of... Um, we kind of addressed one of them okay. uh, in, in ecclesiology. Uh, the hill that we would die on is our ecclesiology. Gotcha. Uh, in the sense of, of the way we run corporate worship. Um, as, but, you know, but, and that's for the sake of like, well, authority scripture, but like unity. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, just to, just to for clearly articulate that. Yeah. The ecclesiology hill that we die on, uh, is unity among the church. And so that manifests itself in, in following Scripture's authority, in, in advocating the gospel, um, in encouraging people to be reconciled, and in the fellowship of the one another's. Um, you know, unashamedly, I am going to promote the one another's because Scripture promotes them. And so that's a hill that we are dying on. Uh, but it's also a hill that we're gracious when we recognize not everybody's on the hill with us. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's a patient shepherding. It's a, yes. Yeah. Um, shepherding with love and yeah. But personally, I'm going to die on the hill of loving you. Like person, like personal responsibility. For me, yeah. Personally yeah. responsible. Yes. Uh, I'm going to die on the hill of, of loving you. So yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, for me personally, I think, I think personally those court, those coordinate with, with what I would think are the elders hills that we're going to die on. Um, you know, and hopefully if you're, if you're listening to that, you can kind of hear, you know what they do emphasize fellowship in the word and they emphasize relying on the spirit. They, they are gospel centered in what they do. They want you to love Jesus. Uh, they want you to follow him. They want you to understand him. They want you to rely upon them. And so hopefully you can even, hopefully if you're listening to this and you've been to our church, you see how these are coordinating, right? Hopefully you're not going, oh, I don't see it. Um, I would actually argue that I think our church is really great. Every Bible study, the fellowship is sweet. 
The fellowship is sweet Sunday morning. I am so encouraged, even just the way that Cornerstone loves one another, that uh, for those that are not getting involved in that way, uh, I just want you to know that I think you're missing out a love that is there, and I think you're missing out some growth that God would grow you through by by not doing it. And so whether you're introverted or extroverted or think that there's something else more important, I would just say, you know, that it's not an introvert extrovert thing. It is a worship thing. And God, God will use that, that one another relationships in ways that you didn't know he was going to use and uh, very beneficial for you. Amen. Yeah. All right, so those are hills we would die on. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about that, please don't hesitate to ask us or don't hesitate to email or call us. Or if you have cries of outrage and shock, uh, don't post them on SoundCloud. I don't read that. Uh, send us an email. Uh, give us a call. You have our number. Uh, it's in our Cornerstone uh, roster app. So if you don't have that, get that on the get on the Facebook, uh, get on our Cornerstone website. And download that. It is only for members of Cornerstone. So uh, if you're listening to this in Texas and you try to apply, it's not going to work. It doesn't mean we don't love you. It just means it's not going to work. So, uh, all right. Well, Gino, anything else on this? Uh, No, I I love uh, ending on that note that we're going to stand firm in loving people. Uh, First Timothy 1.5, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. So, amen. All right. Love you guys. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.